Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. It's, uh, it's not text fault. I turned it off and I put it in my pocket. It's fine. Isn't JC's voice so peaceful on that? It's perfect for a rainy day. Sit by a window and read. It's great, man. Good morning, guys. We're just hanging out. We're just spending some time together. That's all we're doing. That's what friends do. They waste time together. I'm serious. That's, that's friendship. You don't have a plan. Just go hang out. It's good to see you guys. I'm, I'm really grateful to be here. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Devin. I'm one of the ministers in training here at City Life and get to be on staff. And just a part of all the amazing things we get to do here as a family. And, and I'll be honest, sometimes it's pinch me. It feels like Disneyland. Like, what we get to do as a church and what God has been doing through City Life is a dream come true. And it's happened, been happening way before City Life, but this is just our lap to steward. And, and one of the people that Crystal mentioned is not here today with some of the team is Jerome. And, and just to honor him really quick, uh, Jerome's faithfulness for a really long time is what makes a lot of this possible. And the faithfulness of so many people, man, but behind the scenes, just to honor our leaders, man, it's the work and the cost is is significant. And he would never say that and tell, tell us that, but it's true. And so just to remember to honor your leaders, man, it's hard to be the broth. Dads and moms in the room, you know, when you just do the steady, make dinner every night, like that is, that is the real work of being a parent, but people don't always see it. And so us being young guys, sometimes we get to come up here and swing our lightsabers around and throw ninja stars and just look really cool uh, every once in a while. But, but the faithfulness of our leaders is so important. Um, and they've made space for us to all grow and develop into our gifting. So just to honor Jerome and the family real quick, man, love them and uh, have been instrumental in my life. And I think what's so cool about that is that the movement of Jesus happens through discipleship, and that's what we're talking about today. Uh, another word for that is formation, um, but in the vision mag, you'll see the word discipleship, and we'll break that down today, what that looks like and what that sounds like and what that tastes like and what that can be um, in your world. But we're in the We Are series and last week, we talked about the heartbeat of city life, which to love the city one life at a time is the mission. And to be close to people. It's the story that God's love has come down on earth, moved into our neighborhoods and our stories and our lives, and said, hey, I want to be close with you. And then we get to go and do the same. But the question often becomes for me is, how is that possible? Because most days, if I'm honest, I don't want to do anything for anybody else. My main focus a lot of times is Devin-centric. So how do we become the type of people that actually love others? Not the ones that just do love, but the people that become love. How do we actually transform and change? I think a question I wrestled with and have for quite a time, because I tend to live in my head a little bit. Anyone else an overthinker in the room? Um, oh, thank you for raising your hands. We didn't even ask him, but that's great. You know, I was trying to call you out, but amen. Um, I tend to live in my head quite a bit, and oftentimes Jesus in Christianity has felt more like an idea than, a, than an experience or a life? Is it just something to believe? Something we read about and we spend an hour on Sunday and sometimes we show up and serve because we feel like we have to and we're compelled and we're guilty if we don't or if we don't show up then someone will be like, hey, where were you? No one, just me? Okay, cool. All right. Or we do what we believe is morally right because we think it's right but it's more of a duty than a delight. And then we ask ourselves the question, is this really the abundant life that Jesus had on offer? Try harder. Grit your teeth. I think Jesus wants something more for us. 
So I'm going to pray for you really quick. And this isn't on the screen. It's just as I was praying about you guys this week, what I feel God wants to do for us. Uh, so I'm going to just read to you. It's Psalm 18, 18 through 19. It says this. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out to a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray you would bring us into a spacious place today, that we would know your freedom, that we would know your love and your life that you have on offer, that following you would be an experience to engage in and enjoy and not a duty that we feel we have to drum up the energy or, or the willpower but that we would experience the freedom that you want to bring in your way of life. I just ask you to speak to us today, speak to us today, Jesus. In your name, amen. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, it says this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A couple chapters later, Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Okay, little contradiction there. All right, jumping ahead to John 10. A thief comes to only steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Reading those passages, it would almost sound like Jesus is contradicting himself. First, it's, hey, come get away with me. I'll give you rest for your soul. And then on the other hand, it's, hey, die to all your desires. And it's this gritty, hard, like, ah, the cross. And it can be a little bit confusing because I think sometimes we put Jesus in one of two boxes. One box is Jesus is going to satisfy my desires and give me everything that I want and that I need, and it's just about me. Or on the other hand, we can completely ignore our desires about who we are and our personalities and what God has made for us and the desires that he's given us. We say it's all about the cross. It's all about serving. It's all about grit. It's all about giving. But I think John 10 really centers and focuses. It holds these two things in tension. I have come that they might have life and life to the full. And my honest confession today is that following Jesus doesn't always feel like that. There's a lot of Tuesday mornings I wake up and my knee still hurts and I've got low-grade anxiety and I stayed up too late on Instagram. And I woke up late so I was in a rush to get to a meeting that then I said a really sharp word against somebody. And I thought, is that really abundant life? But I read my verse of the day, though. Why am I not better? Why am I not a superhuman, Jesus? It is good. I think sometimes, because you and I live in a world that is trained against the way of Jesus, you and I live in a world and in a culture that is training your mind, your heart, your emotions to believe that God is not here. One, that he doesn't exist. Two, that he doesn't care about you. And three, that he's not involved. Your culture around you and around me, it is training our being, not just our thoughts and our ideas, but our entire being to believe that we are alone. The story of God, we might come on a Sunday morning and it seems true, right? We read scriptures and we read apologetics and we study and we're around all these believers who tell the story of what God's doing in their life. It seems true, but not real. The story of God can seem true, but not real. And that's a really weird place to be when you confess to believe in a risen Savior who he died 2,000 years ago and then somehow walking around on earth again and then ascended to the right hand of the Father and then he said he was sending his spirit. 
but sometimes it's just another Tuesday morning. How do those two things connect? And I remember reading Matthew 11 for the first time at 19 and it really hitting me. And it said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden. I thought, I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to be weary and heavy laden, but I am. And if that's you today, Jesus' open invitation is that he wants to give you a way of life that would be light and free. One of my favorite pastors and teachers to listen to, his name is John Mark Homer. He sums it up like this. If you want the life that Jesus has on offer, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. If you want the life that Jesus has on offer, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And I don't mean your moral performance. It's not a performance thing. And we'll get to that later. But the life that you crave, the one that you want so deeply, where you're laying in bed at 1130 at night and you've got questions and emotions at the edge of your consciousness that you can't fully name. But you're craving something and you want something, but you don't know how to fill it. The life that you really want comes from the lifestyle that Jesus is inviting you into. Check out this video. Sometimes I dream that he is me. You got to see that's how I dream to be. I dream I move. I, move. I dream I groove like Mike. If I could be like Mike. Oh. be like Mike, man. Who doesn't want to fly through the air and hit game-winning shots in the finals? Who doesn't want to dunk from basically half court? I mean, come on, man. Who doesn't? I remember watching, uh, watching Michael Jordan highlights as a kid because all the old heads would tell me, they're like, bro, you're too young. You don't really know what Mike was about. He's, he's the GOAT. It's not LeBron. You know, don't worry. We're not going to get into that today. But I won't get you started because I won't stop talking. Um, but I remember watching the highlights and watching Jordan just like an acrobat through the air, do some crazy things. And I'm thinking to myself as a kid, oh my gosh, I would love to do that. All I have to do to do that is drink Gatorade. <laughs> That's it, right? You see, that commercial is selling us something. It's selling us the idea that you and I can be Michael Jordan. All we got to do is get the best flavor, which is the cool blue Gatorade, drink it, and you will be an NBA super, I want, hey man, look, it's in the scriptures, cool blue Gatorade, man. You will become Michael Jordan if you drink cool blue Gatorade, man. It's Michael's secret stuff. I almost played that commercial too, man. The secret stuff one from, uh, you know, uh, what's the movie? Uh, the Looney Tunes, man. Space Jam, the first one. Thank you, Javon, a man of culture. But the very simple premise of this commercial is if you do what Michael does, you will become like Michael. You'll hit three-point shots, and you'll fade away on people. You'll win five MVPs. You'll do these amazing, what feels like superhuman things. They used to call Michael Jordan uh, Jesus and sneakers, which I don't sign off on. But he was, he was gifted, right? And watching Michael, it, it, it stirs something in you. It makes you want to be something more than what you are. 
And I thought about how does that translate to Jesus? Because you guys know my life is three things, four things. It's coffee, food, Jesus, and basketball. And so the natural connection there brought me to John 14. It says this. Jesus told him, he's talking with his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I remember reading this and, and growing, trying to understand what Jesus had, was saying here. And oftentimes I assumed it just meant salvation. Jesus dies for me. I believe in that. I get to go to heaven in, Lord willing, 60, 70, 80 years. But, I, but learning and studying and letting God move and speak in my heart actually led me to something else. And understanding that Jesus as the way isn't just about your sins getting paid for 2,000 years ago and it doesn't impact your life now. It actually means this. The way of Jesus, the way that he lived and carried himself is based on the truth that he believed, and it led to the life that he got to experience. The way of Jesus is based on the truth of Jesus and leads to the life of Jesus. So what is the way of Jesus? What is that? And how do you follow a Jesus that supposedly lived 2,000 years ago, but he's not walking around, he's not in the room with us right now? And I remember being a young Christian and struggling with this idea because I thought to myself, are they just saying, be better you ought to be kinder. You ought to be more loving and more gracious and more compassionate. No, Jesus' invitation of the way actually comes from his uh, uh, era and time about discipleship. And that's our big idea today is talking about discipleship. When Jesus was walking around on earth as a rabbi, as a teacher, he offered what was called a teaching or a yoke, a way he understood God in the world. And the way that you would change and become and go after a rabbi is the same way Jesus would invite us is come and follow me. It was 24-7, 365. You slept where they slept, you ate where they ate, you read what they read. The way that you become like your rabbi is you do everything your rabbi does. You mirror and mimic what you see. You follow so closely there was a phrase that you'd be covered in the dust of your rabbi. That you'd be, you'd be so close to him, he'd be kicking dust at you because of how closely you followed his way of life. You see, Jesus' invitation to discipleship, the way that you and I change, is not by reading ideas in the scriptures. It's actually, that's part of it, but it's ultimately about living it out, about walking it out day by day. And there's a lot of ways Jesus did that. But the truth is, all of us here have a formation. All of us here have a fitness program. Your fitness program might be that you don't go to the gym consistently. You just say you do or say you want to. Your spiritual fitness program might be that you don't have one. It might be a neglected part of yourself, just like mine is in the past, you know, three weeks for my, you know, going to the gym. I think I went once. Ashton's cringing because he lives in the gym. But all of us have a formation strategy for our emotions, for our spirits. You're being formed. There's a culture around you that's trying to form you into its image. Average media use in the United States in 2021 was eight hours a day. Average. I saw my iPhone uses the other day and I like, had to start praying. had to repent. Because the images we look at change us and form us. What you continually gaze at is what you will become. There's a phrase in 2 Corinthians. I know I'm jumping ahead, so forgive me, tech team. But if you'll go to 2 Corinthians really quick. It says this. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Because what you look at transforms you, and it's very subtle, 
It's actually in ways that you can't even see. The people that you follow on Instagram, the news channels that you watch, the people that you hang out with, when you watch them, you start to automatically mirror and mimic them. Their values, their motives, their intentions, their desires. And it's all stuff that we think we can consciously control, but it's actually subconscious. It moves you and forms you in a way that you can't see yet. And so what you gaze at, what you spend your time looking at practically will change the makeup of who you are. The reason Jesus invited us to follow him and not just read the scriptures and believe some ideas is because you and I don't change through information alone. We need the overlap of information and experience, of objective information and subjective experiences. We need both. We need both. And so Jesus' invitation is both in, and it begins like this. The first one, discipleship, the way we do that here and see that in the Bible is be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. Now, that might be confusing, because like I said earlier, he's not here. So let's read John 15 real quick to give us a little guidance. I know I'm jumping around a lot today, so forgive me. We're going to cover a lot of ground, but it says this. Jesus speaking to his disciples, a very famous passage. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. When you see a plant a strawberry plant or something delicious. I like blackberries. We'll go blackberries. When you look at a blackberry plant, is it trying really hard to make blackberries? It's not a trick question. No! It's not even thinking. It's just chilling, and it, and it produces it in its season, right? The vine connected to the branch, or excuse me, the branch is connected to the vine. The branch naturally produces fruit just by its connection to the vine, naturally. Jesus' invitation first is to remain, to abide. Another way to describe this is to make your home in Jesus, to return again and again to the source of life. Because the ought to's are very overwhelming. Recently, I was at a conference, and the Lord doesn't always speak in conferences. He'll speak to you when you're, you know, in the bathroom and stuff. So it's all good. So don't think you have to go to a conference to get a word from God. But I was at a conference, and the Lord showed me some of the areas of my heart that I specifically have, not, have been disconnected. He showed me how oftentimes I'm really fast and I lack patience and I lack mercy. And I realized it's because my image of God was someone that wasn't merciful. But he was a bean counter and he wanted me to be right to the dot. And because I had an improper image of who God was, it led to an improper image of who I am and who other people are. And then it made me unmerciful. And then guess what? I didn't get to reap the fruit of life in my relationships because of my lack of mercy. And so our images of who God is ultimately impact who we are, and then that reflects and moves into what we do with other people. There's no avoiding that. So Jesus' first invitation is just be with me. Look at me. Spend time with me. What do friends do? I said it earlier. I remember. They waste time together. You're not friends because you guys go do one specific thing. You're friends because you desire one another. Jesus deeply desires to be with you. Jesus doesn't just love you. He likes you. 
That's a word for somebody. Jesus doesn't just love you. He likes you. He thinks you're a good creation, and he wants to spend time with you. But often we're so anxious and frantic, and we're afraid that Jesus doesn't actually want to be with us. He just wants to correct us and fix us. Hear me today. Jesus doesn't want to fix you. He wants to transform you, to bring out all the beautiful parts of your personality, all the ways that he made you good, made me good. But oftentimes I'm so afraid of Jesus because I'm afraid of what's actually in me. It's kind of gross sometimes. When I was a kid, uh, you ever hear something you didn't like and uh, your face just scrunch all up? And what does your mama say when your face gets all scrunched up? Fix your face, boy. Fix your face. Who's clapping? They were like, man, I didn't tell my kid that. The person you are when you're undefended is who God wants to be with. The scrunched up face, the pouty attitude, the disappointment, the anger, the frustration, the fear, the anxiety, the pettiness. I'm just reading my own list. I don't know what your list is. I'm reading my list right now. That's mine. That's this morning before 9 a.m. That's my list. Jesus wants to be with that person because that's the person he loves most deeply and also the one that needs change most deeply. So how do you be with the Jesus that isn't here? Well, Jesus obviously died, resurrected, and he's what the scriptures say is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus, the body, the person. But Jesus said when he left that he would send another one of me, an advocate, someone just like him, the spirit, to be connected with on a daily basis. So learning to be with Jesus is learning to remain or abide with the spirit. And it's learning to be, I love what Comer says again, he says it's learning to be two places at once eating breakfast, and with the Spirit. On your drive to work, and with the Spirit. In a conversation with your boss, and in the Spirit. It's learning to tune our minds and bring our attention back to the God who is always present to you and I. You and I live in a world that is saturated with God's presence, but again, like I said earlier, our culture is training our brains and our emotions and our spirits away from that reality. My default setting is I'm alone because of the culture and the lies that permeate in the culture I live in. So our minds have to be brought back to, we have to bring our attention back to the God who is present, who's closer than the air you breathe, just like the song we sang. He's close, he's intimate. The God who is present. And after you be with Jesus, what happens after that is you become like Jesus. Remember what I said earlier, what you gaze at, what you behold, you will become. What you behold, you will become. I didn't send this verse to the tech team either because I'm a spaz, but it says this, Galatians 4. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. That's some really old English to say. Paul is writing to these Galatian Christians. He says, my work is that Christ would be formed in you. Not that your personality would be gone. You is still there. But that Jesus' heart would animate you. That Jesus' heart would fill you. So that every day and everywhere you go, it would be Jesus in you walking around in the world. We'd be like little Jesuses. That's what Christian means, little Christ. It used to be a derogatory term. But to be a little Christ, a little Jesus walking around. And you are not a brain on a stick. I, like I said, I tend to live in my head. And so for me, transformation often means read my Bible more, listen to more sermons, uh, which is not super helpful. 
because I have a spirit, I have emotions, and I have a body. The same as you. And God wants to engage every single part of that. So how do you do that? How do you become like Jesus? It's not about trying, it's about training. This is kind of the thesis of today. It's not about trying, it's about training. So when you go to the weight room, when you do, once every three weeks, when you go to the weight room and you lift weights, are you doing something to the weights or are the weights doing something to you? It's okay, it's fine. <laughs> both, both, fair, fair. As you move the weights, they push back at you. And they change and form your body in a way so that you can do tomorrow what you cannot do today. The weights will do something to you as you surrender to their process. As you give yourself to the process of lifting and pushing and pulling, your cells and your biology change. Your brain changes. Your emotions change. The weights form you in a way so that you reflect the image of lifting them. Jesus is the exact same way. When we embody the lifestyle of Jesus we will change and be formed from the inside out. So what did Jesus do? What were Jesus' practices? Because the moment's gonna come, y'all. The moment's gonna come. Monday morning is gonna be here. And I say this a lot, but it's just because I feel it. That annoying co coworker, and I don't have any annoying coworkers. I love all my coworkers. So that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> not what I'm saying. Party file. Not what I'm saying. Previous job. Just kidding. <laughs> it's awesome. There's going to be a moment where you get tested. And when you get squeezed, what is in you will come out. Period. Period. If you are unmerciful, when you get an opportunity to be unmerciful, you will be. Or defensive. Or frustrated. It'll come out. And you can't prepare for it. That's your undefended self. So the way that your undefended self gets trained, the way that you get in the spiritual weight room is you imbibe the lifestyle of Jesus. What did Jesus do? Well, Jesus read the scriptures. Jesus spent a lot of time in solitude, being with his father. Jesus also spent a lot of time in community. It's a both and, it's attention. What's often called the spiritual disciplines, I think a better language, and we like practicing the way here, is uh, spiritual practices. It's to do what Jesus did. And yes, Jesus was gracious and compassionate and kind, but that's who he was. It wasn't his performance. It's not about performance, y'all. It's about process. It's about training. I, got a, I was talking to a friend right before service, and uh, he told me this story about someone who... Uh, went through a pretty deep time in their life, and then went to go run a marathon with no training. 26 miles. Yeah, woo is right. And after that, running the 26 miles, couldn't walk really for a year. Lost cartilage, injured, had to recover for a year. That's, that's called trying. That's called trying to do what you don't have the ability to do today and not submitting yourself to the way of training. Because running a marathon requires a lot of training, y'all. A ton. I've never done it. Not doing it. Love you. To all those people that like to run, I'm not a runner. I'm a hooper that runs, all right? Not a runner. And so the way that we get to become the type of people that can run a marathon 
is you submit to the lifestyle of a marathon runner. I love Galatians 5 because it it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and sometimes you might read that as a list of things you have to be and do. Be more loving. Make blackberries. It's not a willpower thing. And if you notice, the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of who? It's not your question. The Spirit. We get to partake, but it's his fruit. He does it. So for us, discipleship is, hey, man, if you want to experience the life that Jesus has on offer, he'll do it in you, I promise. If you train like a runner, you'll become a runner. You train like a marathon runner, you train like a hooper, you'll become one. And there's a few ways we do that here. One, just love belong purpose. Simple language, but it's really important to remember. Everyone here is loved by God, you matter. Number two, belong. You have a home, you have a family. You need that, your heart needs that. Number three, purpose, you were made to do good in the world. And there's some, there's some we speed things that we do um, that I'll, I'll touch on briefly. It's just gather, grow, and go, and it's in the vision mag, you can see it. Uh, but gather, we gather on Sundays. That's important spiritual discipline. Do not neglect the meetings together to stir one another up to love and good works. That's a spiritual discipline we do as a team. That our staff and our leadership gets to, man, put the hours in so that we can experience health and freedom. Grow, that's groups. That's reading, that's sermons, that's all the, thing, all the disciplines that we do in smaller, uh, smaller groups. And then lastly, go. To give yourself away, to love the city is so important. That grows your soul. But it reminded me of this picture, and I'll end with this. I am not lost. It's not lost on me that I have braids right now, and I'm talking about Allen Iverson, okay? So, not lost on me. But Allen Iverson is one of the coolest dudes in the world. Pound for pound, Michael Jordan said, pound for pound, greatest ever. So, if you want to argue with the GOAT, go ahead. But Allen Iverson's influence was so impactful that this little kid is rocking fake tattoos and armbands and a headband and braids. He's not even playing. He's not even in the game. But he was so compelled by the image of Allen Iverson when Allen Iverson represented that the kid wanted to be Allen Iverson. And I was for sure that kid. The only basketball jersey I have is an AI jersey. Only one. And I think that if this kid continues in this way, in the same way just like us, if we continue to follow in the way of Jesus, we'll become the type of people that look and reflect just like AI. We'll become the type of people that look and reflect Jesus in the world in our context. We will become, this kid, he's just a lighter skinned version of AI, man, look at him. Just a little bit. That's AI right there. And Jesus' heart is that you would become just like him, but maintaining your personality, your giftings, your skills, your uniqueness, but with his heart empowering you. And here's how I try to do that, because it is, it's difficult, y'all. We live in a world that is trained against that. Here's three things I try to do. Maybe this is helpful for you, I don't know, but three things, we'll pull it, if you want to pull it up real quick, and then the worship team will, will lead us. Relax. Overthinker. Take a breath. Number two, remember, Tetelestai, everything you need, God has already accomplished. Everything. You live in God's good world. He wants you. He wants you. He wants you. He wants you. Relax. Remember, he wants you. And then three, receive. 
Will you trust Jesus enough? Maybe I just want to offer an invitation. Will you trust Jesus enough to try his way of life? In some small way. It doesn't have to be a big way. I'm not saying, yo, go like fast for three days. Don't like, maybe that's not today. Maybe it's just take five, two minutes, one minute in the middle of your day and pray. Maybe that's it. Whatever that is for you, I pray you just ask God right now. What does that look like? How can I embody the way of Jesus so I can receive the life that Jesus has on offer for me? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for my friends here. Thank you so much for, man, that you make room for us. I just think sometimes we take for granted, at least I take for granted. I take for granted that you want me and that you made a path for me to be saved and to know you. So God, I just pray that you would lead and guide us right now to follow you, that we would hear you calling our name and calling us to something specific, something that we need, that our souls need, that we need to be freed of, God. Abba, it's yours, we wanna embody you, we wanna be like you. We ask that you speak to us today. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
it all away Take it all away Take it all away of life is more than you were meant to carry and I just sense that maybe it's time you tried something different. Maybe it's time the way that we've tried to carry our burdens and our issues and our deep needs, we trade it for something else. I just wonder. I wonder what Jesus would do with our openness today. And for man, he's been so patient with us. He's been so kind to us. My prayer is that the familiar places we've been become places of new life and divine potential, that we return to our same homes as different people, that our worlds open up and we become the type of people that experience the life of the kingdom right in our midst. Tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every day. We become the type of people that experience the life God has on offer and it's possible. Maybe that's just the one thing today. It is possible. Everywhere that you're hurting, everywhere that you're tired, everywhere that you're frustrated, it is possible. We'll be back here next week, 10 a.m. and 11.30. All races, all faces, all ages. We're gonna keep loving the city one life at a time and we won't stop until Jesus makes all things new. See you guys, have a great Sunday.